we see a purple candle surrounded by lilies sitting on a table. The flame of the candle ebbs and flows, sometimes raging, sometimes fading, but has yet to go out. In the background, whistling and movement can be heard. The candle fades for a moment, almost completely going out as the wick appears as an ember. The movement stops, as if the whole scene is holding its breath, waiting for what comes next. The wick sparks, the flame raging back to life as sound returns to the scene. We open, and I want to open up on the hill with Silk and Dinah. Silk, you've been hanging out, just watching things going on. You probably have good enough vision to see that it was Jeremiah that just came out of the church, and you saw Dinah very pointedly pull her shot. I do believe you've missed. (laughs) We can certainly take another shot at it. She looks towards you and then looks back into her scope, lining the shot back up, but you can see, Silk, that Her finger is trembling, and she, after a moment, just shakes her head. I I can't bring myself to shoot him. I don't know why. Well, that's too bad. I don't suppose you have whatever it is that thing is killing bullets? Pointing at the scary gin. Towards the genie. She, like, moves her scope, just she doesn't have quite the vision that you do to survey that, and I might have something, and gets up to go to the back of the vehicle to start rummaging through what she has back there. Because, of course, Dinah has weird bullets for every situation. And I want to do one last thing. I'm going to call Jeremiah. I'm going to assume I'm going to voicemail, probably. Jeremiah, you just almost got shot. You heard that sniper round whiz past your ear and your phone starts ringing. From Silk. Jeremiah will pick it up and answer. Hello? Jeremiah, old friend, it does look like Dinah misses you. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? Mm, I'm going to need more context than that. What do you want? Nothing, I just thought you'd like to know. Jeremiah's gonna hang up the phone. And it's when he hangs up that you see Dinah come back from back around the car with, like, three different boxes of ammo with her. And it's like, alright, I'm gonna have to try some, um, process of elimination here. Oh, well, this should be fun. Before getting back in her sniper position. Jeremiah, what do you do after you hang up that call? Celia Mendoza and Co. are here, with the hunters, sans Fatima, mostly taken out. The demons have turned their attention towards the newcomers, but that group is fairly well prepared to deal with demons, given that, you know, that's y'all have, like, magical items and stuff, so it's pretty even footing right now. Do I know roughly where Dinah shot from? Given that we've established that you are a good marksman, I'm going to say yes. Because it's more interesting. Alright, I think... Also, there should be a clear line of sight because stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, there is also that clear line of... Oddly clear line of sight. Uh, Jeremiah's going to stagger in that direction. Alright. I think Celia, like, was getting out of the car and sees you stagger off and it's just like... I thought we were getting you out of here. Jeremiah doesn't hear her. (laughs) Okay. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, okay. But she's not going to push it further than that. I mean, there's demons here. That means that there's something interesting to be had, and it's still going to be worth her time. She starts barking orders towards her group. She herself is not getting into the fight because she's a veteran and she is too old for this shit. But she still knows what she's doing and is organizing her people fairly quickly, especially given that there is a raging genie that is starting to tear the church apart. Speaking of the church, Victor, how you doing? I'm mildly concerned about the next few minutes. 
Yeah. So what do you want to do as you have come down to this large, like, it's a very open room. I mean, ceilings feel low to you, but you're a wolf, so everything ceiling-wise feels low to you right now. There's a bunch of people. There is your mom. There is your other mom. Before I get all the way down the stairs, I'm going to call out, Hey, mom. Can we talk? The acolytes all look very body language-wise confused and turn back towards Astrid and Ileana clearly piecing this together. Wolf, wolf, okay. And Astrid just kind of holds up her hands towards them. Of course, we can always talk. You've got an opportunity here to leave. I recommend you take it. This isn't the way this city's supposed to be, or any city. Run. Leave. It can still be your city, but you can't be this way. I won't let it be this way anymore. I feel like you can go ahead and do a persuade on the acolytes to get them to bail. Sure, sure. I think your mom takes a bit more than that. Absolutely. It's a two. (laughs) As it should be. As it should be. As it should be. We see that Astrid's kind of pausing, looking for words, when one of the acolytes near her says, We can't interrupt the ritual at this point. We need to continue. Stopping now will have consequences. And Astrid nods. And looks back towards you, Victor. Or the stare is where your voice is coming from. And you hear her say, I'm sorry, it has to be this way. And you hear Ileana howl. And the telltale sound of paws on stone rushing towards you. I rush towards her. And we clash shoulder to shoulder and jerk to the side and we start rolling i want to try and spend a debt on iliana Ooh, all right as we break apart and start circling each other looking for opportunities yeah i'm down with that scene happening because that makes sense your mom was literally the one who like trained you to fight Mm -hmm. mom do you know what they do here what Fucked up magic shit they do to make this city run. I want her to answer a question honestly. Of course I know. Then you've been on top too long. (gasps) You know this city isn't a fucking paradise. It's no utopia. It's maybe better for a few people. But this does not. Nothing justifies torturing children. Ileana growls a little. I see that your idealist nature still hasn't been beaten out of you. I was hoping that having some responsibility was going to make you realize that sometimes hard choices have to be made. Yeah, they do. And with that, I'm going to lunge at her. Roll to unleash an attack. (laughs) Wolf fighting wolf scenes are always so great. <laughs> this is a seven. <laughs> All right, so on a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. I can't really take anything from her. I mean, you could throw her off balance or something like that. Sure. I'm just going to inflict terrible harm. All right, so that brings you up to four harm. Mm-hmm. Good thing wolves have armor out the ass. <laughs> yep. All right, and then on a seven to nine, they either inflict harm on you or you find yourself in a bad spot. Bring that armor. Bring that uh, harm on. My, ar- my attacks also pierce armor, by the way. Okay, then her attacks will also be piercing armor. Cool. Basically, she is the same type of wolf that you are. Mm-hmm. So as the two of you clash, Ileana just stands her ground. She doesn't try to get out of the way of this attack or anything. And 
as you, I'm assuming, are, are, do, do you bite rake claws? What are you going in as? I'm going for a bite to the throat. As you sink your teeth into her throat, you feel her fangs dig into the side of your head where your ear is, mm-hmm. pulling hard. Take three harm. Okay. That sucks. So there's dark furrows of blood dripping down the side of my face as we pull apart again. And I think we should cut somewhere else. Yep. So as the two of you pull apart, that tight circle kind of resuming as you look for the next attack, we cut to the bell tower where Leon is currently doing everything in her unearthly, ungodly vampire demon power to kill Mabel. How's it look like that's going? You know, 50-50. Okay. This zone is kind of weird. So uh, I think Alistair was was entering first, so I will defer. Alistair, what do you want to do? So we've come into the bell tower... It looks like Mabel's, like, she's on the receiving end of the violence, right? Yes, but by no means are you certain that she will be down and out. Alright, in that case, I mean, I don't want to get right to it, but I think Alistair's gonna try to start the ritual. Alright. Sorry, I'm trying to decide how I want to do this. Because Mabel definitely sees when the two of you enter. And do you have, like, your dad's grimoire in your hands open to the ritual? I think Alistair enters with the robe on, and the book is underneath the robe. And then he pulls it out and flips it open and starts performing the ritual. As you flip it open and start to say the words, or whatever's described there, I mean, it's definitely, you have everything you need on your person, but it's also like, this is pretty complicated ritual. You hear like a banshee shriek from Mabel that reverberates throughout the entire area in a way that is you can feel in your bones and that gets Leon to kind of stagger back for a moment and Mabel dematerializes and rematerializes right in front of you, Alistair, trying to rip the book out of your hands. I'm going to attempt to hold on to it and look over at Alex and say, a little help here, please. Roll to keep your cool. That's an eight. All right. On a seven to nine, I will tell you what it's going to cost you. You are going to take two harm as this deathly chill radiates from her through the book to you. Okay. Alex, you have been implored to help. Yeah. So we get that scene where Mabel is just like banshee shrieking at Alistair, and through the heavy vibrations, Alex walks towards her and just flicks the last of Angela's blood off of his sword and reaches out a hand to almost gently caress her face and then grabs hold and fully extends his jaw and just wraps it around her face. I would like to use (gasps) eternal hunger. Oh, this is such a bad idea. Please do it. Right? Because <laughs> I have adaptable palate. I can eat anything. Oh my god. Alright, go ahead and roll your um your eternal hunger move. Okay. This is the best idea I've ever had. That's a seven. Alright, what happens on a seven to nine? So on a seven to nine, I choose two off of this list. I am going to heal a harm because ha <laughs> And you know what? I think I would like to learn a secret about them. Ooh, what type of secret are you interested in? 
So there is a suspicion that Alex has had for a long time now, and it's that if Mabel could leave this bell tower, she would have. I don't think she can leave here. All right, so as you sink your teeth into ghostly flesh, for lack of a better way to put it, we get that thing we've seen before with Alex where his vision distorts. And you see Mabel sifting through what is clearly a ritual written on paper. In French, of course. (laughs) But you can read, so that's fine. You see the notations around the need for the sacrifice of her firstborn. You see the notations around binding. And you see in how the magic is woven that while when she is alive, she was free to move about. Binding herself this way will keep her locked to the location where she first cast the ritual. Okay. So the secret that you have learned is, yes, she is stuck here. And this is the location of the first ritual. That's what I thought. But she, she's not, I mean, she not, she's, this, this is such a bad idea. Okay, don't I get to do something about, like, weird things happening? With adaptable palate, feeding on something wildly different than a human will have unexpected side effects. So hit me with some unexpected side effects by all means. Yeah. So as you are coming back to, she's not dead, but you can feel part of her soul, a little bit of what little humanity she has left coursing through you. You have bound yourself to her soul. Cool. That's going to be a problem for you. Is it? Going to be a problem. (laughs) Just a little. Oh, we'll see. What's one more, right? I mean... I think as as, uh, Alex's jaw kind of returns to normal size, he slowly removes his hand from her ghostly face. Oh, Mabel. And then he's going to swipe, uh, well, I guess I should probably roll something first, because... And Alistair, during that scene, she let go of your, like, hands in the book, by the way, and, like, you were able to pull away. Sorry, continue, Alex. No, 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 go ahead. So there is a thing that Alex has been setting up, um, which we kind of alluded to a couple of episodes ago, where he's had his ghouls basically stashing, you know, the means to bring this tower down around this and i might want to roll that move at this point just to see what state it's in all right go ahead and roll that move okay i will have to mark corruption for this oh that is what i was hoping for uh so that's a 10 plus and is that gasoline i smell says that when you search a location for the resources or tools needed to destroy it roll with blood and on a 10 plus everything is arrayed to your liking all you have to do is light the fuse so I think the way that that works is that because of this suspicion that this tower specifically is where Mabel is bound, that's where Alex has had his ghouls kind of stash the stuff is sort of around the base. And what he's going to do is slash the big rope that holds the bell and it, go- it goes crashing down like into these you know giant tanks full of propane. I would like to trigger that move. <laughs> I feel like you need to keep your cool. Sure. To get to slashing the bell. I am okay with rolling that. Okay. That is a 10. (laughs) All right, what does it look like? (laughs) Like, how are you envisioning this going down? Paint the picture for me. Sure. So Alex kind of pulls back, and there is a moment of genuine, look, I understand you're in a bad way. You've been trapped here. You've done some horrible things. So it's not like a, like, haha, this is going to happen kind of moment. It's just a, he walks through her and draws a line through that rope with the tip of his sword, and it just goes crashing down. And as it does, there is a rather sizable explosion. Hey, Alistair, you're like the only mortal in this room right now. (laughs) Alistair is, Yeah, I was wondering about that. (laughs) So it's probably not going to be like an immediate crumble, But uh, it's obvious that this tower is about to come down. 
yeah yeah you um you got got some time pressure going on here i'm gonna give you a minus one to that ritual yeah yeah that that sounds fair all right but are you gonna start casting the ritual then yeah i was just about to ask shall i go ahead and roll that yes so for the listeners at home we have a custom move. When Alistair uses his father's grimoire to banish Mabel Fleur, he will roll with spirit. Once this ritual is began, it must be completed one way or another. Fuck. That's a 12. All right. So on a 10 plus, Alistair, you're going to be choosing two. You can take three harm. Take a corruption advancement, permanently lose a spell, or break your magical focus. Okay, so three harm would kill me. Yeah, you should do that. Gonna go ahead and uh, just not choose that one. Let's see. I think I'm going to lose my memory wipe spell. And... You know, let's go ahead and break my focus. That seems... That seems narratively fun. Nice. All right. So we see around Alistair's feet. What color does his magic normally manifest in? It's like a light purple. That's what I thought. We see a light purple complicated circle start to appear around his feet as the floor is starting to kind of crumble and topple and a similar circle appears beneath mabel and a similar circle appears beneath alex and we see mabel start to flicker out that like banshee scream echoing through and she then Kind of just pops out of existence. Hey, Alex, you remember how I just said that you bound yourself to Mabel's soul? I do. Yeah. I'm trying to decide what you need to roll here. If you (laughs) don't want to get banished to hell, you might need to keep your cool. Okay. That that seems like uh, something I would probably want to avoid, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, let's go for it. That was not that bad. That's a six. Oh, no. (laughs) Alistair, do do you think you could maybe... Yeah, is there a... Give give a... (laughs) way I can uh, help keep him on this plane of existence? Roll to assist. I have an idea on how you might get entangled in all of this, but you can roll to assist. Okay. What's your faction there, Alex, buddy? Oh, it's night. Oh, that's like a negative two for me. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, sorry, negative oh, one. No. That That's not as bad. Okay, that's a little better. Everyone gets banished. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> I got a nine. Because the dice love me today. <sighs> On a seven to nine, you expose yourself to danger, entanglement, or cost. Yes, so you're able to bring Alex's Keep Your Cool up to a seven. A lot of things are about to happen here in a very, like, span of a couple of seconds. So on a seven to nine, the MC will tell you what it's going to cost you. So, Alex. Yeah. You have a very nice sword with you. They do. A sword that you've had for a very long time. Has a lot of sentimental meaning. That you have kept very well. That would be the perfect vessel to just shove this soul bit into and send to hell. You know, that actually works very, very well because it was her sister's. So, yeah, I I think we see, like, the last little bits of Mabel draining off into the blade and Alex drops it down after the bell. Nice. (laughs) Which has just somehow turned into a literal hole to hell right now. Right? There's a lot of fire happening down there. So you're unarmed. Alistair's gun broke. Everything's fine. And that was Leon's kill that Alistair just took. True. 
Alistair, you have a very angry demon vampire lunging at you. There is your entanglement. Can I... Oh, fuck it. Alistair's go-to move is lightning to the face. Let's, let's go for it. Alright, go ahead and roll that lightning to the face. Alright. Oh wait, that's just a hold, isn't it? No, it no, lets I... you roll to unleash with spirit. Yes. Okay. That's an 11. Alright, so... On a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. Inflict terrible harm or take something from them. Would it be too powerful to take their ability to continue attacking? Like, temporarily paralyze them? No, I'm okay with that, because you're still going to have to escape because this tower is literally crumbling around you. Yeah. So we see that shock of, like, lightning go from Alistair towards Leon, who was lunging at him. And Leon's still getting used to using this body, and the lightning short circuits the nerves. And you see her get just temporarily paralyzed as the floor beneath her gives out, and she starts sliding back in towards this fire. And very similar things happening to you and Alex. But we're going to come back to that later. Hey, Jeremiah. You've been climbing up a, climbing up a hill for a while. Yep. You've made it up. Mm-hmm. What you doing? Jeremiah's going to stagger towards their position and shoot Silk. <laughs> Just shooting Silk? Straight up? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he shot plenty of people. Victor is about to be the only person in this group that Jeremiah's not shot. <laughs> Alright, go ahead and roll to unleash an attack on Silk. That is an eight. All right, so on a hit, you do it. On a seven to nine, choose one. Do I have a chance to get in the way for this? I would assume so. Oh, wait, that's right, because that's a minus two. Sorry, pause. Thank you for calling me out on that. Yes, you do. You probably, knowing Silk, like, hear the trigger getting pulled. I mean, I was probably watching him climb up the hill. That too. Go ahead and describe how you're getting in the way. I think what's going to happen is that, so I have won't be ignored from the the Spectre or Ghost playbook, which means I automatically get in the way of someone as if I rolled a 10 without rolling. Shit. So I think what's just going to happen, and I'm willing to spend fey power for this, is that there's going to be a glamour silk there and not a silk silk. Nice. Yeah, go ahead and spend your fey power on the glamour silk. Yeah, let's make it a snowman. <laughs> that's, that's cool. So, Jeremiah, you see your shot go off, and then you hear a weird thud impact that doesn't sound like a body getting shot. And you see a bunch of snow fall from this silk that you just shot. Well, that's a bit rude of you, Jeremiah. Not even going to say hello before you shoot me. Jeremiah's just gonna, like, pump a shotgun. You called me in the middle of a fucking battle to tell me Dinah missed me? Well, misses, but... I got stabbed. I'm going to fucking kill you. Well, that would be not quite as fun for me, now would it? Can I tell where Silk is right now? Or is it just like this... Really annoying, disembodied voice taunting Jeremiah. Eric, first tell me, would Silk have intentionally hidden himself? I think if I had the foresight to set up a snowman target, I probably am at least trying a little bit to hide. So, Jeremiah, you can probably roll to let it out to see if you can locate him. That's fair. That's another eight. Extending our senses, or more corruption. All right. So I think you're able to get a lock onto where Silk is. Like, it's not perfect, but you have a general direction. Is it in shotgun range? He's just so determined to kill, kill Silk, he's not even done anything. 
Silk, are you within shotgun range? Um, let's go with yes. All right. Yes, it's within shotgun range. All right, then unleash with expert marksman. Yeah, Jeremiah just scans the area and takes Silk and then, like, very quickly is just, like, up and... All right, so that is a 10. Silk, you could get in the way to bring him down into 7 to 9 territory, though. Yeah, I will do that. So how exactly does this won't be ignored move work? Do you, like, have to mark anything for it, or is it just... When you get in the way of someone, treat your roll as a 10 plus without rolling. If you distract an NPC, roll with spirit instead of mind. That's uh, all it says. Cool. Yeah. Wow. That's broken, and I love it. All right, so that seven to nine. Jeremiah, you get to choose one. Are you inflicting terrible harm or taking something from them? Uh, I don't know anything I would take right now, so I'm just going to inflict terrible harm. All right, how much harm are you doing then? Uh, shotgun is free close, so before. All right. And then on a seven to nine, they can either, uh, you choose, they either inflict harm on you in return, or you find yourself in a bad spot. Let's find myself in a bad spot. I might have something for this. Shoot, go for it. So, um, first off, I'm three harm would kill me, so I'm taking a scar here. And I thought I was going to get out of this scot-free. I'm so angry at you right now. But what I am going to do to put you in a bad spot is I'm going to call a debt on Dinah to level that gun of hers onto Jeremiah and get some drama going. Oh, I love it. Because was, I was planning on pulling Dinah in, but I love that that's even more melodramatic than what I was originally planning. So... Silk, you see as the shot comes in that Dinah was, who was originally kind of like doing her best to just stay out of sight and stay out of this, was getting up to move in to try to stop Jeremiah anyways. How do you call in that debt? Silk is just going to be uh, uh, a bit of a dick here. You know, you do still owe me for that suit that you shot, and I would greatly prefer if you shoot something else for me instead. Uh, and NPCs don't get to be like, nah, fuck your debt. Um, she, like, stops mid-motion, and she had her own shotgun in her hands already anyways. She looks towards Silk and then back at Jeremiah and levels the shotgun at him. Are you going to make me do this? I'd prefer it be by your hand. Better from slowly bleeding out. I was going to offer to help with that, but let's table that for now you're going to make me kill you after everything we've been through jeremiah's just gonna like look down at a gut wound that is very steadily dripping blood i'm already dead it's gonna take a while to catch up to me roll to persuade an npc to get her to kill you that's a weird persuade it is but that's what he's asking for we're getting wild here at St. Flicker Day. And if you have a debt on her, you can use it beforehand to get a plus three on that roll. <laughs> if you really want this to happen. She is just not inclined to do this. I don't think I have a debt on Dinah. Alright, we're gonna roll to persuade. That's a partial success. It's a nine. Ooh, how is she going to modify the terms on this? I could help with that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm about to get real melodramatic. I mean, you can pitch your idea. No, 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 I want the melodrama here. No, I was just going to suggest to help Jeremiah persuade Dinah to shoot him. No. no we, I need that melodrama. Now I follow that. Would you? You're going to lend a hand? Okay, sure. Sure, roll to oh. lend a hand. With mortality. Silk is just going to say, well, do you really need him to beg? He's, uh, uh, why don't you just give the man what he wants? Roll to lend a hand. The melodrama. No. Oh, that's a miss. All right, how am I going to resolve this miss? So, okay, how do I want to... 
So here's what happens. Silk, she looks at you when you say that and says, yes, I need him to beg because I remember. And then looks back at Jeremiah. Are you sure you still want me to pull you the trigger? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh. Ooh, drama. Oh, okay, give me a moment. <laughs> All right, cool. We're, we'll go back to some other fight then. <laughs> As Jeremiah is like, wait, wait, I have miscalculated here. <laughs> Yeah, so on that scene, we shift back to Victor and Ileana, locked in combat. So are you going to do it, Victor? I'll do what needs to be done, but I hope I can make you realize that this isn't a thing that Fleur's Watch does for the city. It's something they do for themselves. I remember when we lived in Five Points, when... We had to scrape by, but you seem to have forgotten. I haven't forgotten, Victor. How do you think we got to where we were? At which point, I am uh, attacking my mother again. All right, roll to unleash an attack. That is a 15. Yikes! All right, on on a hit, you do it. (sighs) Yep. I'm going to inflict terrible harm. Alright, to make this very explicitly clear, this will kill her. Is everyone cool with that? I want to just do a check-in. I'm good. I'm good. good. Yep. Okay. Then yeah, Victor takes his claws and unexpectedly shoves them under her ribcage and into her chest. She wasn't prepared for that it's a weird moment for victor i mean obviously it would be anyways Mm -hmm. but the surprise on her face quickly gives way to pride i'm going to hug her with my other arm and lay her down on the ground gently as you lay her down you can hear her just barely whisper Take care of the pack. Of course. I then stand up. There's a horrible slurping noise as I remove my arm and move towards the acolytes and my other mother. Now, will you fucking stop? Don't make me do it again. Please. All right, the acolytes are definitely bailing. Yeah, sure. Okay, that, that much sense. is for sure. I need a persuade on Astrid still, though. Absolutely. That's a miss. That's a six. And nobody's there to help. Mm -hmm. Victor can't persuade people. It's just a thing he can't do. This is so good. And he keeps trying, which is admirable and foolish. Victor, you see the acolytes rushing past as Astrid steps towards you. Are you okay if I do, like, a really bitchin' hard move here? Yeah, go for it. I rolled the six. Like, uh, let's make Victor the new Fleur hard move? Yeah, that's fine. Cool! (laughs) Sorry, wait, say it again? Let's make Victor the new Fleur, because that's what this ritual is for. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm cool to not do that. That's why I'm checking in with you, because that's forcing a very large mantle of power upon him. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking go for it. Victor's character's always been about taking up too much power that wasn't something he knew how to fit with. This is in in theme, and, like, it's not being... It's not, like, something he's choosing is being thrust upon him. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Go, Go for it. Cool. This is the finale, and we're going to have to have some discussion on season two and, like, what we're going to do with PCs anyways, given how much character growth has happened, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, so 
your mom steps towards you and there's a bit of a sad smile on her face and you see that her palm has been cut open and she presses her hand against your chest and says, I always knew it was going to end this way. And you feel an overwhelming surge of power through you. And let's go back to Alex and Alistair, who are in a rapidly crumbling bell tower. That's fine. Yeah, what do you want to do? Alistair looks over at Alex and says, You can fly, right? <laughs> After a sort. And Alex is just going to step out of the tower. Is it possible for <laughs> Alistair to jump on Alex? Oh no, Alex is not flying. He's falling. <laughs> okay, then Alistair does not want to jump on Alex. Do I have any conceivable way down that's not into the fiery pits of hell? Oh yeah, the staircase is still there. It's just gonna be real dicey. I think Alistair is going to try to go down those stairs then. Alright, roll to escape a situation. Okay. Yep, okay, that that was inevitable. It's a five. Oh no! Ooh. Alright. I have a choice for you. As Alistair is starting to try to make his way down the stairs, he can feel that he's not moving fast enough. He's not going to be able to make it. But there ahead of you, you see your mom and your dad. They're both yelling your name, holding their hands out towards you. You know if you take their hands, you'll make it down safe, but you will not see your parents again. And you remember your dad telling you that he had done all of this, had kept this all secret for you because he wanted you to get to do something with your life. This is a sacrifice they are offering to make, not something they're being forced into. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Alistair lunges forward towards their outstretched hands. And for a moment, you're able to hug both your parents. You can feel them there with you before you find yourself at the bottom of the bell tower. Safe on your feet, far enough away that you're not caught in the rubble. In your mind, it's like you can hear the mirror in your sanctum cracking, but you're safe. And you can feel their warmth and their love for you. Can we, uh, do somebody else's scene for a sec? Yep. All right, so Alex, you just stepped off this tower. Yep. Are, are you, uh, because I know you have a move that lets you... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alex has just fallen. Cool. We're not going to look at that scene. We'll come back to that later. Jeremiah, are you, uh, ready to answer Dinah's question? Oh, God. I think shotgun's just gonna drop from Jeremiah's hand. And he's just sort of, like, looking at Dinah. And he's just gonna start to cry and collapse into the snow from blood loss. As Jeremiah collapses into the snow, like, Dinah drops the shotgun and rushes towards him, looking up at Silk. Help, please, I'll- anything. That's asking quite a lot, considering he just shot me. Gasping for breath, uh, Jeremiah's just gonna say, like, wait, and let's reach into my bag in desperation and see what I find. Yeah, so basically you're, you can just reach into the bag, right? You, like, don't have to roll for anything? No. No roll. You tell me what I find. Alright, here's what happens. You reach into the bag, and you pull out a, it's like a bundle of, like, gauze and bandages and stuff. 
clearly like magically imbued. There's a little cat print all over there. There's little paw prints all over it. It's like way too cute for the scene going on right now. Uh, but Sophus is Sophus. But you feel something heavy within the bandages. Let's unwrap them. In the bandages, you see the two rings. Huh. Alright. Uh. <laughs> Alright. Oh. I wasn't expecting that. Well, um, just so you are aware, I am an official, uh, like, wedding officiate, if you were planning on doing something just now. Tina, mm. fucking get me bandaged up first. I'm not bleeding out of this fucking snow. Dinah doesn't wait for Silk to jump in and help. She just takes the bandages from you and starts working on um, bandaging you up. Yeah, Silk's not going to get in the way or anything, but he's not really helping either. Dino's chattering incoherently as she's doing this. Her hands are still really stable. She actually does work well under pressure. See the fact that she uses a ton of guns. But it's just like apologizing frantically for having forgotten all of that. And she didn't know where her head was. And if you don't die, we can leave. We can go somewhere else. We can take out Eric Zar and I don't care. Uh, well, uh, let's stop myself from bleeding out first, then we can worry about that later. Yeah, as she finishes applying the bandages, you can go ahead and erase the critical harm. You're still pretty badly wounded, but you're not on death's door anymore. Alright, I am no longer dying. I am merely run through. It'll be a cool scar and a cool story. Jeremiah is going to push himself up a bit with what remains of his strength, scrabble around in the snow, and grab the rings, and just put one on Dinah's finger. Aww. Look, get out of here. Tell, tell the network it was all me, alright? Ugh. Their stuff is stashed in the warehouse where she kept you. I'll contact you later, alright? You don't need to persuade on this. She'll do whatever you ask right now. She nods and pulls you in for a kiss before she is going to take off in whatever way she takes off. She definitely has her own magical items that help her get around. So that's why she wasn't too worried about taking Silk's vehicle here. Alright, uh, and with that, I think Jeremiah is gonna scramble, struggle, limp as fast as possible over to, uh, Celia. So, Dinah has a locket that around her neck that she grabs, and there's kind of just, like, a soft swirl around her, and then she's just gone. Because magic items are bullshit. Does that mean I have a bunch of guns now? You have a bunch of guns now. And some real weird ammo. Awesome. She might come back asking for them. She might just leave them with you as payment. It's much more likely to be the second. I'm sure that'll come in handy. Alright. Alex, how long does your regeneration move take? Interesting question. So, as it says, I shut down for the remainder of the scene instead of marking that harm. But aside from that, I can reawaken at will. Alright. So, I think Celia Mendoza, working with Fatima, they were able to get the genie back under control. The genie's in a new bottle now. You're not getting that back, Jeremiah. Fair. <laughs> I, I did roll a six. But Alex, I think enough time has passed because, like, you went down, down. Whenever you want to come back, you can come back. If you want to walk dramatically out of the rubble, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's a good look for Alex, is that as it crumbles and everything is on fire, he starts knitting back together, and we just get this shot of him literally, like, broken in, you know, multiple different ways and just slowly cracking back together, and, like, parts of his skin that were burned off by the fire are just regrowing immediately. But that scar on his face... Yes, that stays. is still there. That is still there. It is definitely long and deep. It's going to be very, very obvious. And I think he's just going to walk back and watch it go. Like, this was the goal, right? <laughs> All right. Back in the cellar. Victor, as you feel that like surge of power settle over you, you feel like a second pulse. Like the pulse of the city. What the hell? Astrid staggers a little bit. This clearly took a lot out of her to do. It's... It's done. You're... You're the Fleur. I... Oh. Uh, what? I mean, I... We all knew that the way this was going wasn't right, but I didn't see any out until you told me to find a better way. And I think you're the better way. Victor, as a giant wolf man, squints. Tears still in his eyes. He says, that we don't need to fight. Astrid shakes her head. He swallows. Well, then, he goes to pick up Ileana's body, and he's going to leave the church. All right. And then, Alistair. Yep. You also walking out of this church that is on fire and falling apart? Yeah, if you will allow me the melodrama, I think Alistair walks out with the church flaming behind him. He's very numb to everything right now, so he's just kind of walking blankly forward. Is there anybody left around him? Currently, I think everybody but Silk is kind of standing outside of the church, looking at it falling in upon itself, basically. Jeremiah's there, Alex is there, Victor is there, Victor's moms are there, sort of. Celia Mendoza's crew and a whole bunch of weapons. Yeah, Fatima Sanchez is there. Um, Finn is annoyingly, like, sitting on the fence, uh, smoking a pipe. <laughs> What's uh, Jeremiah looking like after everything he's been through? Jeremiah looks like fucking shit. Like, just bloody from, like, midpoint of his torso down. He's obviously been crying. Got bloody bandages. Patching up a gut wound. Quick question. You all did put those rings on, right? Uh, yes. Alistair is going to walk over to Jeremiah barely holding himself together. And there's a very tense moment where the two of them, or at least Alistair, stares dead-eyed at Jeremiah. And he just says, We're not done yet. But I'll deal with you later. Upon seeing Alistair approach, Jeremiah would have, like, put his hand in his coat, obviously, like, gripping something. Sure. Alistair is going to point very generally in the direction of Jeremiah's ring and just say, Congratulations. Whatever. Yeah, Alistair's already turned and started walking away after he says that. Victor, as you're making it back out into the courtyard, you see, like, a blur of silver blonde as Anastasia and Wolfform arrives too late but comes skidding to a stop in front of you. 
and like as clearly like came here as fast as she could meaning she was outside of town when this all started and she looks at you and notices like kind of just takes it in for a moment and then i could tell you were in trouble i'm sorry i couldn't get here fast enough told you not to worry about it well i'm sure you know how it is hard to ignore that hole in the brain yeah well put out the word there's gonna be a family meeting tomorrow anastasia dips her head to you i'm on it and unless there's anything else anybody wants from this scene specifically i think we might move to the next day i'm good good with that nope jeremiah will just Head off with Celia. So we get that nice pan shot of the Point Claire church that was once standing so stately and beautifully upon the Cape. Smoke rising up from it. The bell tower um, crumbled in upon itself and parts of the most of the windows got blown out. It looks truly like It's been decaying for centuries. And it is the next day. So this is kind of everybody's epilogue point. Congratulations. Weird things happened. (laughs) It can also be like a couple, let's say it's a couple of days later. Long enough that wounds have healed, or at least like that's about the amount of time that has passed. What is, has everyone done in those couple of days? What's the closing scenes we get of your characters i've got an idea of two different funerals that we have from my mom the first is for the pack and the second is for everybody else and we just intercut shots of those people crying or sad or stiff up or lipping it between us just in the moonlight, outside, then cutting to a bunch of cops in uniforms at a, at a, at a uh, graveyard. Victor speaks at both things, but I don't have any words for him right now. But it's, they're both full of loss. Even though he killed his mom and he lets everyone in the pack know that. He doesn't let the cops know that one, but the wolves in there figure it out, how to cover it up, or will plan on using that against me later. Who knows? Yes. Victor's sad, and he's in a suit. It doesn't rain. It, it's like that clear blue sky after a really bad storm in the graveyard. Lots of people in black. I think that's what I got. All right. Eric would like to know if Five Points needs a new Baron. I don't know. I don't (laughs) think so. Maybe. I mean, Victor has uh, bigger things to worry about now as the pack leader and the Newfler. You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. It's very possible that he can't keep an eye on Five Points like you used to. If you've got something you want to do with that, Feel free. I was just thinking that this would be a... If power goes back to Midnight Roses, and then she can decide to maybe appoint the Silken Duke finally? Yeah, I'm okay with that. But he still really cares about five points, is the thing. He cares about the people there a lot. You're like a regent. Right. Silkens. Sure. You get appointed to do the day-to-day, but Victor still has the title. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can't he can't manage that in the future. He's eventually going to have to give it up. And Midnight Roses has like 10 debts on him, so she gets it. And then she would turn around and give it to Silk cuz she knows Silk actually wants it. So yeah. And that also then Silk if you wanted to move to Mortality cuz I know you've been itching for that. That It's yours if you want makes it, it makes sense. Sweet. Okay. That works for me. I have a decent idea for like 
probably not the full extent of Jeremiah's, but at least how it looks like the end of this, the like big finale episode you see him doing. All right. What does that look like? For a few few days, as the timescape is happening, there's cuts of Jeremiah recovering in a, one of Celia's safe houses from the gut wound, intercut with quick shots of some people coming into Jeremiah's apartment and cleaning out everything he keeps in his study. That jumps to a never scene where Jeremiah is mostly mobile in the safe house, surrounded by boxes of his stuff as he sorts through his papers and artifacts and sees what he still has. Then later we see Jeremiah and Diana getting coffee together, just to end off the episode. Yay. Yeah, Alistair's is pretty short and sweet. We see him packing up some stuff into cardboard boxes, and he finishes up the last one and starts carrying it out of the Lockwood Manor. And Alistair is moving out. He loads the boxes up into the back of a moving truck, and I think he just climbs into it and, with a look in the rearview mirror, leaves that part of his life in the past. I don't know if I have anything for Silk that is quite as poignant. I think you see him walking around five points wearing a rose lapel pin now. Alex sits behind his desk. The warm maple of its surface at odds with his face. A long red scar bisects it, twisting his features into something almost unrecognizable. An assortment of letters rests on the corner of his desk, and he is meticulously writing another. We pan across the letters and notice several familiar names. There is a series of sincere condolences, individually written to each of the Margaret family upon the loss of their former matriarch. Each one recounts a different moment of Ileana's life, unknown to anyone else. Victor's recounts a time when his mother, at four years old, got lost in a farmer's market and hid trembling amongst the heavy smell of fresh rosemary and garlic until a stranger pointed out her parents. There is a sealed trust in the name of Cassandra de Witt, wrapped inside a letter that suggests that Vermont is quite nice this time of year. A small package, addressed to the last and best of a once great house, bears a remarkably pristine 1888 edition of Victor Hugo's poems with a ribbon marking a tribute to the vanquished. Wrapped in a long piece of violet silk, there is a fine silver letter opener and a single pressed sprig of fern, suggesting in the language of flowers, pure magic. Slipped under the doors of a nondescript apartment is an envelope marked To Monsieur and Madame Crawford, containing two tickets to the St. Fleur Opera's spring production of Der Freischutz. We move across the desk to see the letter that Alex is writing. Next to a neat stack of envelopes addressed to the leaders of St. Fleur's factions, to the CEOs of its corporations, to the bright, the luminous, and the powerful. You have become accustomed to a certain standard of doing business in this city. To certain lives and the people who live them being acceptable sacrifices for your greater good. To an eternal prosperity for you and yours guaranteed by those sacrifices. You are cordially invited to what remains of the Point Clare Cathedral in two weeks' time to discuss the revocation of that standard and the shape of things to come. If you attend in good faith, you will leave in good standing. If you are thinking of spurning this kind offer, remind yourself that I also extended my hand to Fleur's watch and then make a better choice than they did. Yours truly, Alex Giraud. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, tweet us at St. Fleur Pod and let us know your thoughts. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast in seed by Landon Corbin. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM. This episode was edited by Bree. She can be found on Twitter at PseudonymSocial. Additional editing and production for this episode was completed by Elliot, who can be found on Twitter at PodcasterElliot. Alistair is voiced and played by Elliot. You can find him on Twitter at PodcasterElliot. Alex is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TUFace. Silk is voiced and played by Eric. 
you can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. Farewell, dear listener. We hope you enjoyed your visit to St. Fleur.